Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 140 of the Terrible Book Club. I am Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. This time, we read Ladies First by Liberty Adams. We had so many friends and listeners contact us and ask us to read this that we squeezed it into the schedule for this year. You're welcome. How did this become like some kind of viral hit that we, we had to have so many people talk to us about it? Um, I believe someone reviewed it on TikTok and then it just it just TikToked off, you know, as <laughs> as things do. I do not have the, the TikToks, but the the children me tell neither. me it is yes. very popular. Yes, that's um as usual so, we're late to the party on this one, but people seem to like to talk about shit that other people have already talked about. Yeah, I mean it was ridiculous. Like I think it was like January, February, March. We just were inundated with People who, like, I wasn't even really aware they cared that I had this podcast, like, cared enough to remember it. Like, people I was, like, working with music projects on were like, Paris, you got to read this. I was like, wait, you what? You know I do this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? Okay. Don't tell anyone No, else. I mean, well, I mean, I know, you know, I know people are aware that we do this show, but... You know, it's like I don't expect people to care. I don't. I don't Same. You know. It's actually kind of hit or miss for me as to who remembers I do this or not. Yeah, I mean, and then we had like listeners writing in. We had patrons. We had friends of ours. Like, I mean, I think actually, OG credit goes to Tris, um, my other best mm-hmm. friend and Chris's mm-hmm. roommate, um, who was the first person to have shared this, uh, this with us. But then, yeah, right after that, it was just like a deluge of requests via text and message and email. So, um, snail mail, telegram, smoke signal, (laughs) uh, Morse fucking code. Uh, no, I'm no, 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 no one. The stars themselves blinking in and out of existence in Terriblo's code to tell us to read this. Gold masks, hands, spells, (laughs) The ladies first. It was like the fucking YMCA in the lands between. <laughs> it's fun to read L A D I E S F I R S T. I almost forgot. Gotta really extend word. that phrase. <laughs> we were just uh, talking about how you have good time. Yeah. Corin's like, lady. Gold mask. Why? <laughs> Sorry, we have we are right. still playing a lot of what Elden we, what Ring. What do we do on this later. show, Paris? What's the whole point here? What do we do? Welcome to the Terrible Book Club podcast. If this is your first time listening to this show, what we do here 
is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So typically we do the opposite of what most people do, you know, when they're in a bookstore or browsing the internet looking for something to read. And most of the time this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read, although sometimes we actually end up liking the book and it turns out that we were wrong to assume what we assumed. Uh, Content warnings for today. Um, In addition to our typical barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion of American politics, racism, feminism, and all that could possibly entail. If you're not interested in hearing American political discourse or discussions about race and gender, for the love of for the love of all fuck, choose another episode. Like this is <laughs> not, not the that. episode for you. It's just I all mean, that. I mean, we're also gonna be talking about, you know, sort of um we'll also be discussing the writing and how some of it is very alien, but it's so steeped in the current American political climate, it is inescapable. So if you don't want to hear about that, Starts I totally Trump understand. Rally, guys, so. <laughs> yeah, so totally understand. But uh, the, just please choose one of our other other episodes. We have well over 100 of them to select uh, select from. So please do that. Um, and before we begin, we should touch upon something important. So when we first heard about this and, you know, we saw the little TikTok videos and the Twitter posts or whatever... Um, I was I was convinced that this was an elaborate joke. And honestly, even when I first started reading this book, I was convinced that it was just a farce until I actually found the person behind the Liberty Adams pen name. Um, they didn't really cover their tracks super well, so it didn't take a lot of effort. Um, all I'll say is, you know, this woman is 65. Um, she... Seems like she went to college later in life, obtaining a degree like in her 40s. The college she went to had both a women's advancement club and a women's faculty group that granted awards to distinguished faculty and grad students. So I think that's what she actually built some of the elements of the book off of. It does seem a little um, better. Yeah. And she is so, I mean, she is exactly as she appears to be. I looked through her social media, her political donations. Those are those are public, FYI. Um, and articles her, that didn't you? Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna actually say her name, but like, dude, if you just if you have any reasonable googling skills, you will figure it out. Um, although surprisingly, a lot of people on the internet were wrong, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's not who this is. Uh, anyway, um, point being, like. Everything around this person seems very genuine. So, unfortunately, even though this book felt every ounce a joke, um, really it, feels it like wasn't. it's explicitly some it's kind not. of paradising about political yeah. romance novels or something. I mean, I guess like it could be if this person's entire existence online was curated and fake, but I don't think it is because, um, I saw uh, some pretty inflammatory political posts on a specific um, state Republican forum that this woman had written. So, like, I, I mean, again, it could be a lot it of effort. Be. That's a lot, uh, of yeah. Effort. And they went back several years, so like, it would it would have to An be Occam's kind of, Razor. This one, yeah, uh, yeah. I would I would do a nice little nice little slice with the with the Occam's Razor there, and uh, the simplest explanation 
is that um, this is genuine. So I know there was a lot of que- there have been a lot of questions about that, and um, I think unfortunately this is this was we're going to take it seriously, quote unquote. Yeah. 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 Um. So uh, I think I am going to go ahead. Sorry, I know this is a lot of me at the top of this episode. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the It's usually a lot of you at the top of episodes. Uh, Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's fine. I don't know. I talk less. I talk too much at work. It's, you know, rest my vocal. That's true. That's true. I finally have a job where I don't have to talk that much most of the time. Um, Anyway, so this is the sort of back of the book summary. You know, what you'd find either literally printed on the back of a book jacket or what you'd find in the, you know, the Amazon page to try to lure you in to purchase the book when patriot mike rescues feminist ricky from a post-trump rally riot the clash of opposites sets off sparks between them but the gentleman giant refuses to leave the side of the spunky half pint until he and his pickup truck deliver her home safe and sound ricky attends the rally to scoop the racism of the trump crowd in a blog post but she's forced to spin a false narrative when her mistaken assumptions fail to materialize when Ricky's lies get Mike doxxed and his construction worksite becomes the target of anti-fascist thugs, his righteous anger forces her to reckon with the truth. Ricky wants to fix the damage and regain Mike's trust, but that means facing the wrath of the liberal mobs. Will Ricky find the courage to leave the left for a lifetime of old-fashioned true love? I mean, you can feel that, that just like dripping off of it that like... <laughs> I'm going to own the libs and also yeah. have some fun. I, I don't think I could say it better than that. Um, all right. So our characters and setting, um, we are in a relatively major American city with a liberal college and public transit. No details are given as to what city this could possibly be. There is no, you cannot, there is no context <laughs> for you to even piece it together it was an afterthought, so I don't know. Choose choose a city that has public transit and a liberal college, and it could be any of any of dozens. Um, our characters are Ricky, you know, our our feminist grad student. We have Mike, um, manly construction uh, worker man, manly construction worker man, um, pro Trump, uh. Small business owner, you know, every stereotype you old can wrap into one. Like, this book has such a hard on about old-fashioned values. Yeah. Why Why is that? Why are you upholding that? Like, I, I've never changed for shit. I've never <laughs> once changed at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a problem. Um, We have the very minor character of Karen, Ricky's roommate, Michelle, Mike's roommate and sister, um, Ricky's parents who are there for like half a second and then various Trump rally personalities you have like Diamond and Silk if if anyone remembers them uh, you have a gun salesman you have some ve- assorted veterans you know just kind of you know cool housewives that sort of stuff um, yeah so uh, Chris is going to go ahead and read the plot summary we like to make sure that listeners have this so you all understand the main elements of the story so that when we are critiquing it and talking about stuff, you, you know, you get it. You have some background. So, Chris, why don't you take us down this very, very patriotic lane? All right. 
In this absurdist right-wing straw man fairy tale about current American politics, Ricky attends a Trump rally so that she can write a fiery blog post on how awful and racist it is to achieve a higher standing in the radical feminist group she's part of at grad school. Instead, she discovers that Trump supporters are actually not all white and are nice to her, which shatters everything she believes about feminism, racism, economics, and American politics. Anti-fascists show up and attack everyone with bats, steel-toed boots, and bike locks, eventually burning the rally grounds down. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Luckily, hot business owner slash Trump voter who reminds her of her dad, Mike, saves Ricky because he thinks she's kind of hot and weird with her black lipstick, eyeliner, and green-tinted hair, even though later he hates that shit, so pick one. Mike owns Ricky's liberalness in each conversation with facts and logic, and he loves how small and meek she is but can't get past her politics. Ricky also thinks Mike is hot because muscles and big but feels similarly that dating him would be impossible. Oh, Chris, this is an actual reading. Thank you. Ricky decides that the ends justify the means and that she must preserve the rule of fourth-wave feminism and anti-racist intersectionality, so she lies about everything that happened at the rally in her blog. She sells out the truth from membership to her Radfeb club and internet fame. The two things every female grad student desires above all else. She mentions Mike's business name to her Radfem club and they dox him. And by dox, they really just mean that they kind of show up outside his work site. He tells her parents on her and she writes another blog post recanting everything and asserting that she's been wrong about the entirety of her views. The woke mob of bike lock hurlers show up to her apartment building and she calls Mike for help after her Radfem sisters denounce her. He and his security contractors show up and help her escape to her parents' house. Ricky begs Mike to be her boyfriend. He refuses because of his fragile masculinity. Michelle then reads Ricky's apology blog post to Mike, suggesting that they are in love, and also reveals that Ricky is about to get a tattoo. Mike cannot abide a woman who would dare mark her weak, supple flesh, so he rushes to the tattoo shop. Ricky decides she would rather be a right-wing trad wife than get a tattoo. So they kiss and go back to the diner to live happily ever after. Makes it sound like they're living in the diner there, but no, they just because the diners are old Mary. We go sit at the diner, we get a cup of Joe, and then I go back to my house and I can't pick up this goddamn tray of utensils. That's for my wife to do. Oh God! I'm big construction worker man, but boy, I just can't figure out how to pick up this tray. I can't figure out drawers. What are drawers? I gotta pull them and not rip them out. <laughs> How the do you fuck? Do? I don't understand. <laughs> My huge meaty man hands keep just fumbling with this. Okay, we're we're talking about this because there's a serious thing that happens in this book. And listen, guys. <laughs> I don't know how much the structure of things that were good, things that were bad is going to hold up here because this is quickly going to devolve into us just reading lines from this. Yeah, there are some really, really, like, award-winning passages from, from this. <laughs> uh, like, if this doesn't win a Razzie, I don't know what will. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's quickly talk about things that were good. That's real quick. I gotta say, the writing is generally okay. Like, it's been edited for content and grammar, spelling. Like, there were very few minor typographical errors. Um, there are a handful of sentences and phrases that are 
fucking alien. But sure, like, it's more alien in, general, in content than in grammatical construction. Yeah. I guess in general, I just wanted to point out that, like, there was some effort here. Like, the person who wrote this clearly, like, I I don't think this is their first writing rodeo. Um, or they were able to, like, pay an editor or, you know, whatever. They knew what they were doing. Like, there was some effort here. This did seem to be a labor of love. It kind of uh, knows how as... long it's supposed to hang out here, right? It's like 83 yeah. pages or something, and that's enough. And I, you know what? That 75. Feel... Okay, that feels correct for, like, the kind of material presented here. For, like, yeah. n- there's no nuance or depth to a lot of this. So, like. It was 99 cents. You know, it wasn't one of those ebooks that's, like, 20 pages, $8, please. You know, I mean, I feel like they, they know what they're doing here. Like, there's a lot of these kind of, like. 99 cent or free romance books that are under 100 pages you know novellas basically so you know there there's clearly some planning and and effort here um even if it's in service to things that we I would totally not say that there's in-depth research about how no, other people operate no, definitely not um and secondly the scenarios are fucking like hilariously absurd i don't know if i've laughed this hard at a book we've read in a really long time i mean it's I, un- you yeah, highlighted it, like, it's- it was like every page there was like a yellow highlight from you and just said lol lmao yeah lol. <laughs> i was just like, like chuckling and some of the scenes i was just like guffawing like i was just like belly laughing because you know and of course this is unintentional like the author doesn't think these scenes are funny they think this is real and serious, I presume. Like, none of this came off as as trying to be funny. Again, unless this is, like, an elaborate <laughs> an elaborate plot, uh, I believe this. all of these things that were um, really funny were unintentionally so. Okay, so, um, sadly, we have already arrived at things that were bad because this <laughs> is, um, you know, this is just a book with a... a Totally opposing worldview to how Chris and I see the world. Um, I uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of tough in that respect. Um, so you know, in terms of like um, the content, it it's yeah, it's it's tough for us. It's pretty bad. Um, and then there's also just all of these really kind of alien phrases and ideas and situations that seem as though. Yeah, I guess I use the word alien because it sounds like someone from another planet watching American TV and being like, ah, yes, this is what the people do. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like some of those things. So so let's uh, let's start with those because they're kind of fun and they're they're much lighter yeah. than some of the later fare uh, that we have on board for today. So, um, Chris, I have a question. Do you board a train like a Pokemon waiting to erupt from a fucking Pokeball? Because that's. <laughs> How the main character, Ricky, prepares to board the train. So there's some evidence here that the person who wrote this book has never taken public transit before. And I know this is like a very minor thing and not serious, but it's so funny that they didn't even think to be like, maybe I should, I don't know, just like watch videos of people getting on the subway. Like, I don't know, anything. Talk to people that you knew that took public transit. I mean, it's just so It's it's very cartoonish in its interpretation of what happens on subway lines. Like, it's all just, like, weird cliches of things. I'm just going to read a passage here. And now, to clarify, this is happening, like, 
before a Trump rally where there's assumably a bunch of tourists getting on a train. And I will say when there's people that are taking a crowd of people that aren't usually taking the train on the train, they do behave like dickheads and you might have to that's get true. forceful in that case. So that's not totally out of the realm of possibility. But it's a lot of the surrounding stuff here. Okay, here we go. The door is open. She leaped forward, determined to make this car. Her destination was the same rally as many of the passengers she loathed. She had to get on now before she lost her nerve and changed her mind about attending. Riders spilled out, thwarting Ricky's progress. The room in the car was disappearing, then an opening. From experience riding the line, Ricky knew just how to time her next move. She hunched down small, ready to shoot the gap, but a hulk at her left elbow stepped into it. No! She grabbed the Hulk's arm and tried to squeeze past. She literally says no! <laughs> like, it's not in her mind. That is dialogue that she goes, imagine if you're, like, getting on the fucking red line and someone's like, no! And they <laughs> leap across and grab your arm. I'd be like, you're dying and push them out of the fucking car. The Hulk stopped, then smiled when he saw her. Immediately, he stepped out of the way, blocking a wall of bodies. He ushered her forward with a gallant gesture. Ladies first, he said. Ah, a redneck, the kind that drew her automatic disdain. Ricky scowled. For good measure, she used the toe of one of his steel-capped work boots as a stepping stone and set her elbow in the vicinity of the Hulk's ribcage. Men like this only existed in the world of her father and brother, who were holdouts to a version of masculinity that was rapidly disappearing. According to fourth-wave feminism, most of the rest should have been reduced to blithering apologetics by this is just she's boarding a fucking train and she can't like stop thinking about like rad femme destroy all men stuff. Like I think the most rad femme yeah. feminist when boarding a train is like, geez, I hope I get a seat. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's just so much like pent up anger and violence in her that doesn't really make any sense. And uh, anyway, I, I really just wanted to talk about she hunched down small, ready to shoot the gap. No! Like, that whole <laughs> thing was like, why do you think riding the subway is like being in an And also that there's like I this gentleman that's it. like, ladies first, my, my, my lady on the train. Like, I don't care who the fuck you are. <laughs> I have never, ever, ever, ever in my years and years of living in a major city, I've never had a man say, here you go. Let me push these people out of the way, lady. <laughs> you know what has happened to me on the train? I've been sexually harassed. <laughs> I've been followed. <laughs> uh, I have been taunted by an insane uh, preacher who chastises anyone he perceives as not being Christian enough. Yeah, I have had a lot of horrifying experiences. Too. Yeah, I've had a lot of horrifying experiences on the train. I have never had a lady's first moment. Um, so that's because that of the whole... libs, Paris. If we lived in a traditional society, um, second question, Chris, <clears throat> do you also walk around with just no money on you at all times? Not just even just no cash, no money? not even just no cash, but no access to any money. No, no, no. debit card, no cash. Yeah. Um, every time this book presents the main character as having to pay for anything, she doesn't have money on her. Even in a scene where she just she's coming out of a store, she's like, "Oh no! All of on the my train? money is in my apartment." How did you spend money to get on the train? Yeah, how did you get on the train? I mean, maybe she just took her train pass, but like, it's sort of fra it's just weird. Like, she never has any. Like, I understand if you're going to you know a rally, you don't take your like ID with you, but you would still take 
cash with you, even if you didn't want to have like an identifying card, like credit card or something. Um, yeah, she just like never seems to have money on her. Which it's is just bizarre. a device, so Mike could always be like, "I'll pay for it, my lady." Yeah. <laughs> well, and then and then we find out where all of her money is, and it's in a giant. It's cash in a giant envelope. Um, in the year twenty twenty. What college student is saving cash in a giant envelope for a tattoo in 2020? I just, I the world is becoming more and more cashless as time goes on. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that everyone handles their money differently. And some people cash are like, oh, it helps me. S- as well in terms of reporting things on taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I get it. You know, if, I think some people feel like when they have cash, it's sort of like, People will say, oh, it burns a hole in my pocket. Like, I have to spend it. Whereas other people feel like if they have cash and they put it somewhere, it's out of their account. So they don't even think they have it. So it helps them save. So I don't know. Maybe she has that sort of personality. But really, it just strikes me as a little detail um, that belies that the author is just not not really up on the modern 20-something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Speaking of tattoos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about the tattoo, Chris. So there is a major plot point in this book that Ricky has has wanted a tattoo forever and she's saving it for after she gets inducted into her Radfem secret society or something that uh. it's like a sorority I don't know what it's supposed to be it's it's like the graduate gender studies club that I don't know. Meets it's the to, sisterhood. Like, That's what, what do they called. do? They they like meet to like get together and say, "Wow, men are evil. Never have a boy." There's like multiple scenes, in fact, where yeah. Ricky is like, "I can't have a boyfriend because the sisterhood would disapprove." And I'm like, "Do you think all feminists out there don't have like aren't attracted to men and have husbands or boyfriends or partners?" Yeah, that is that is the flavor of a conservative author we're dealing with here. They think that <clears throat> they think that yeah, believing in any sort of gender equality means that you hate men so much that you can't even date them. <laughs> All right, but anyway, she's like been looking forward to this tattoo appointment. I think she, ever since she was like eight, it says or something like that. Yeah, some very young age. I forget. I don't know that it was defined, but for for a long time. And yet, and yet, she has no idea what she wants to get tattooed on her body. She doesn't even have a starting point at this nope. stage. I, I like nope. as someone with tattoos. I understand there's people that walk in and get some flash just like off the cuff because whatever you're having a fun night with a friend or, or something like that. But yeah, I think some people feel differently about that stuff. I think fine. a lot of people, especially if they've been thinking about it for a while, at least have a vague idea of what they want as their first tattoo. Well, she also scheduled like a long appointment and didn't know what she wanted. And I'm like, but wouldn't the artist have asked you like? <laughs> Like, what are we doing what, here? Like they, How much they time should been, I block off? They would have been sketching something up for you or asking you for things. Like, it's just very, again, it's like an example of somebody who doesn't understand the people that they're trying to write about. In this case, young liberals, quote unquote. Um, or just tattoo so, yeah, getters. Just, yeah, or even tattoo havers. Uh, Which is most definitely yeah, not liberal all the time. Yeah, there's this idea that just the tattoo itself is like the important thing and it marks you as something even I don't know I mean like you said sure some people think about their body as like a trapper keeper or something covered in stickers and that's fine but I feel like most people especially with their first tattoo they're 
a lot more choosy about it and like they have an idea of what they want so i i don't know i mean i again i'm not a tattoo haver um because i actually don't know what i want i'm one of those people who has wanted a tattoo no, see, what you Since should do is you should schedule kid. an appointment in a month and just show up, like, and hope <laughs> and it works yeah, whatever. Out. No, and I, I just, I, I'm just, like, paralyzed by indecision. That I, it's very difficult uh, to pick an artist whose style you like and then even to just think of something you want on your flesh forever. You know, it's hard. Um, I'm, I'm anyway, expanding that... my inked flesh, actually, in two days oh from God. this recording. So I'm yeah, one of Chris those is... dirty tattoo havers. Chris is sacrificing more of his flesh to Tereblo, actually. My entire upper right arm is going to be expanded upon, and I am so excited. I'm pretty stoked. Um, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's all these other little details that are strange. Like, for example, if you're in danger, your first phone call to your foreman. (laughs) We got to call Roman, the, the manager at my work sites. It's I not mean, like Roman is even particularly skilled at anything except showing up with a truck. Yes. That's so what I Roman does know. is he shows up with I, a truck. Shows up with a truck. So I thought that was odd and I didn't know if like, I'm not a construction worker. Maybe there's some fucking like blood oath that Foreman <laughs> yeah. swear to always protect their crew and like, scratch they're like Batman. With the, the circular saw a little bit and like mash your blood into the concrete dust in your first building <laughs> that you make yeah. with your foreman i don't know yeah the, he's the foreman is like a version of batman like they, <laughs> i don't know they shine a flashlight in the sky and he's like i must go with my truck it's um, got a cinder block on it very weird. and it's not like they had established that his foreman also was his best friend it was literally like i'm gonna call my foreman and he's like for ronan get here with your truck and he's like aye aye and he like, shows up and that's it he's am there I, for am five I on the seconds clock for this mic i mean i yeah. just got home it's a bit like i was i've been up since four yeah it it's very weird um there's also the idea of calling someone else an uber like okay so, so i disagree with you mildly on this paris but it's the way it's presented in the book is definitely really weirdly alien yeah. Because like, Ricky has her own phone. Yes. She's not incapable of calling an Uber from her phone. Mike just insists that he'll do it from his phone. Is this another I'll pay for it because man thing? But I like that's not even a function that Uber has. Like you can't have it pick like if the phone oh i mean i guess you can call it from your phone and they'll ask for you but you can just like have the other person get in and say like you're that person yeah but that i mean that would be really sketchy to the driver like i I mean uber doesn't have like you don't have to have a photo on uber as a passenger uh, i don't know i mean i i only ever god i only ever have to use it when i have to go to the airport um and even not even then not every time but like I just thought that was weird. Yeah, like you said, is, the way that it, it was portrayed weird. was odd, and and it was fir- it was even stranger because the rally was right next to the train, yeah, and the train just, was still running. Just hop the train, and it, it was. I I understand. Okay, you're trying train. to run from Antifa, I guess, but it's not like they'll all just run on the train and like everyone that takes the train is a liberal, therefore they won't help you. Yeah, I didn't understand why they needed to get away in the truck when the train stops right there. Like, it's a public train. It wasn't super late. It was like it was like barely 10 p.m. It was like 9-something. I like, think the I... one thing that might protect you from a mob is a throng of other people that are disinterested in what the mob has to say. Yeah, and also public, like, public transit stations are full of cameras, and they often have transit police in them. So, like, I... 
yeah, I don't get it. I don't get why they decided to go the truck route. But anyway, that uh, there's also the concept of like a Judas kiss and kissing someone to signify betrayal. Which is just, <laughs> this is the stupidest. It feels like not something a young person would do. This is the or stupidest, say. sloppiest way to have like a first kiss between your characters that are like diametrically opposed, right? It's it, the mm-hmm. whole conceit is that. After Mike saves Ricky from Antifa burning shit down at the rally, she still kind of hates him because of his politics. And despite still not coming to the conclusion that she herself likes him, after he drops her off at her parents' house, she kisses him on the mouth. And in her mind, it's like, it's my Judas Iscariot kiss because I'm about to write about how he's a fucking racist piece of shit in my blog post. But if you didn't like someone that much, you wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't. Um, and I guess maybe the, maybe the author's just like, oh, well, you know, a silly girl thinks she's doing, you know, she's trying to justify it by saying, oh, it's a Judas kiss, but she's really into him. Which I kind of get because Ricky is fucking stupid. Like, I mean, the, the <laughs> character, really I mean, like we said, this is just a, you know, kind of a. A conservative right-wing fairy tale, and everyone is a straw man, and that like it's just the fucking the most flammable novella <laughs> I've ever read. Um, and Ricky, don't let any crows you know, or ravens get anywhere near this book because yeah. they'll immediately be scared off. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and Ricky is just written so hilariously that I mean, she just sucks too because she's you know this like weak-willed little. There's literally, okay, I'm going to look for this passage in the book, Paris. Do you you know what line I'm fucking talking about, right? When we're talking Uh, about weak female. Hold on. Let me, let me find this here. I mean, Chris, there's so many like that. I don't know which one you're talking about. You need to be more specific. We need an index. I'm, I'm looking for it. Oh, okay. It worked. He was silent. She hated herself for it, but the sobs were real. Every tear was real. There was no faking this helpless and female self. Like, oh, are man. you fucking serious, dude? Yeah. I mean, this is all serious. That's, like, the worst part about it. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Um, we've got a young 20-something with uh, wearing temporary hair dye on a day it's going to rain and not wearing waterproof makeup. Like, come on. Someone get this. Someone get this girl some, like... You know, $8 eyeliner that's not going to come off if it rains a little bit. It was just like, you know, I feel like most people who wear makeup or dye who are their in hair, their 20s, like, like a little bit more per- permanent or committed to it so it doesn't come out on a rainy fucking day. Yeah, she just like rinses out the hair dye, literally like just shampoos it out. I mean, that kind of hair dye does exist, of course, but it's not... I don't think it's that common. Yeah. I don't know. That was just kind of a also, weird this point is where totally... like, this author clearly doesn't understand that typically when people dye their hair, you know, like green or blue or whatever, it's not, it doesn't just wash out immediately. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, this is really just another excuse for her to have that transformation, right? From There's, a, there's an explicit scene where like after she washes the hair dye out, she walks out and Mike's like, Oh wow, she's just a beautiful blonde American lady, and that she's all—it's everything that I wanted. What's hilarious to me is that Mike originally starts fucking like following her at the rally, like he spots her because she's so out there looking because 
conservative dude secretly are in love with alternative looking women anyway. Well, no, he was the one on the train. He was he the one on the train, the but train. also like he spots her at the rally because she looks so different. He's yeah. like latched onto her and he follows her from afar so he can ins- quote unquote ensure her safety, which is some real fucking thin justification for some stalking dude. Yeah, I would be extremely terrified if a man that I saw on the train was also at an event I was at, but then like glommed on to me and felt and was like trying to protect me. Like I would be like fucking nine one one. Like it's I'm just horseshit no to thanks. me that later on he's like, "Oh, you look so much better without that." When you started fucking following her because of that, dude. Like, don't even try to. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's part of the fantasy, though, right? Like, because anything that isn't anything that doesn't fit their idea of. America is a costume is something that can be changed it is invalid it is um yeah it is ephemeral you know you put the right person in front of them or or you know show them the right video and bam they're gonna become a true American patriot because you know what that's what people really that's what people really are at their core you know it's it's this whole it's this whole fantasy um yeah, it, it, it's it's too bad. Uh, all right, we're almost done with our all of our weird little things. Like, oh, actually, this, this is perfect. Um, there are at least two parts in the book where uh, the author either makes the character say or or kind of like, you know, in, in the omniscient part, third party omniscient parts talks about this, where wearing black makeup and dyeing your hair are symptoms of rage, specifically rage. Like, I'm so fucking pissed, Paris. I'm just gonna, oh, I'm gonna dye my hair. Yes. Uh, I just think that's really, really like, just bizarre. I mean, people <laughs> people dye their hair and wear makeup because they they think it's aesthetically interesting and they like the way they look that way. And it's really weird to connect specifically aesthetic choices to rage. Very strange. Like, you're so Um, mad at society that that's why you dye your hair. Like, mm -hmm. no, that's not really why that's happening, man. No. Um, And same, like, there's this idea that, like, tattoos on women are undesirable and you shouldn't get them if some guy you're casually interested in doesn't like them. Oh, my God. I have to read Um, my my second favorite fucking line. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chris Chris is going to treat us to... um... Although, you know what's weird? At the very beginning of the book, there's actually a line about women having tattoos and it's positive, which I thought was weird. It really changes its tune a la this passage. Oh, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot, said Michelle. Now what? She's getting a tattoo this afternoon. He came out of his chair. He couldn't let her do that. What? I don't like tattoos on women. (laughs) Which, like, dude, what does it matter what the fuck you think? Yeah, it's just incredible. My like, opinion oh. matters the most. I don't like it. Oh, of course. I, I mean, better go put a stop to this choice someone is making because I don't like it. And the best part about that is like, you know, and not that not that this would justify it, but they aren't even dating at that point. Yeah. They had a fight and like <laughs> disavowed each other. So I don't so it's like even weirder that he suddenly feels the sense of ownership over her fucking body. So strange. Um, oh, and I mean, oh, this is a fun, this is a fun kind of background fact. 
So when they're uh when after the rally when he rescue when Mike was it Mike God Mick Mike when Mike rescues Ricky from the rally brings him bring he brings her to his house to clean up um I I don't really understand why because he could have just he like demanded that she follow him because like that's his safe place basically he's like no you got to follow yeah. me to my to my apartment it's the safest place and. Ricky has to be like, okay, because I'm a meek lady. He's very forceful on a lot of things. He just straight up tells her, like, no, you're not doing that a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. No, you must do this because he is he is big man, therefore he is right. And woman doesn't un- woman can't make decisions because hysterical. Literally, the woman Ricky is described as hysterical on more than one occasion, and you know, it's clear that like Mike is the one that's able to make a decision. Um Anyway, they go back to his house where his sister is also lives because they're brother and sister and also roommates. And he, one of them says that, oh yeah, we bought this house during, we bought this house when we were in college. Beats, beats living in a dorm. And it's like, who, who can afford what? to purchase a home while they're in college with their, like, What? There wasn't even a background line like, oh, our parents gave us a huge inheritance or like, you know, we I was run over by a stupid truck many, many times. And (laughs) I am stupid and I won a lawsuit. No, it's very it's very much trying to paint like self-made American small business owner. But like how? But how? Because you weren't in construction at that point. I mean, unless unless he what? But like I when you're in college, you're pretty young. You're what? 18 to 22 and if you're in college it's pretty hard to have a full-time job i mean i i had a full-time job while i was going to school full-time and it fucking sucked and let me tell you i was not capable of owning a home (laughs) i was not um so well and i mean furthermore it seems like they're in some kind of major city so it's not like it's not like you know, they bought a fucking shack in, you know, in the woods of Louisiana or something. Like, this is a city with public transit and, like, a big college and, like, big Trump and rallies. it's like, 2016, it's be... I think, or, like, somewhere around, like, 2020 or 2016. So it's not like it's the 90s where maybe, yeah. maybe you could work that. Yeah, I get, well, I guess it's unclear as to how old Mike is. Because he's not in college now. Yes. So maybe maybe that's true, Chris. Maybe maybe he is like twenty years older than her, and we just don't know. But even then, um, even then. even that even then, I find it very hard to believe that two siblings going to college had the resources to purchase a home together. I that just again, this just people sounds aren't like going into who'd... dorms because like they think it's fun, right? No, but, like no. You will always, if you had the choice, get your own place. I Well, actually, I don't know. I've known some people who are like, oh, my God, living in a dorm is going to be so fun. And then they realize how much it sucks, like, after, like, two weeks. So, um, yeah, I, I don't understand. Yeah, Again, this is, like, a, a concept that comes from someone who lives on another planet. Um, that other planet might be Arizona. I mean, I, you know, um... <laughs> The planet where you keep combs in packages in drawers in your bathroom for random guests, perhaps? Like, serial killer shit. (laughs) Like, that is... Yeah, so we bring this up because... have a clean brush for guests. 
over my guests so I can save their hair on it afterward. <laughs> like, so fucking Ricky comes in all bedraggled. She's like, oh, let me wash off my makeup and my hair in your bathroom. Like, I, I even question that. It's like, why is that the first thing you want to do? And again, she just washes off her face and her hair in the sink, I guess. I don't. I just don't get it. Like, why would you want to spend so much time in this fucking stranger's house? I mean, I know they just kind of went through a traumatic event, like getting attacked at this rally, but I still just feel like you'd be like, okay, I'll have a cup of hot cocoa and then please bring me to my home where I will then shower and take off my makeup. Like, I don't understand the whole idea that like her first, her first thing is like, oh no, my makeup's running and I, I should wash my face and also my hair. Do- I don't know. It, uh, it just doesn't feel like the way that most people would behave. Um, and even even then, like, okay, fine. You had a rough night. You got attacked. You just want to wash your face to, you know, wake yourself up, maybe feel a little cleaner. But, like, yeah, Michelle, Mike's sister, is like, oh, here you go. And she pulls out a brand new in-package comb. <laughs> That she just had a bunch of in the bathroom. I'm like, are you a hotel? Are you a home that people live in? It's just very strange. I know strange. how they bought the house. They Airbnb'd that shit out constantly, but you have to live oh, with dude. them. It's not even a separate Airbnb thing. You just got to, like, Ugh. sit with them. Oh, no. Um, I mean, there again, we, we could go on and on. Um, we, we, you know, we just was, were like, all right, let's pick out some things that are just hilariously weird. Um, and our final, our final, like, oh. fun, hilariously weird thing is that, um, <clears throat> man, man hands are too big to use utensils or drawers. I know, Paris, let me so, tell you, I can't tell you how many times after dinner I have, or even before dinner, I've struggled to just get a fork out of the drawer because my hands, <laughs> my dexterous guitar player hands are still just too manly and big to handle lifting some utensils out of a fucking drawer. Yeah, I mean, what about... Boy, what it a- plagues me every time. I wish there was a better way. There has to be a better way. Do you have trouble getting utensils out of drawers? Do you have trouble repapering shelves? Can you not handle the dainty tasks of everyday life? Try Woman! Wow, I never thought of Woman. Woman is available everywhere you look. If you... Just allow woman to sit on a train or protect her from a violent mob. Perhaps offer her a new in-package coat. <laughs> woman will help take care of all of your weak, dainty tasks that your big, beefy, strong, muscly fingers just can't handle. Oh, God, I've crushed another bowl again. How do I even cook food? Oh, don't worry. Woman is here. Woman can handle all of your bowl and food needs in addition to many other tasks such as cloth-related tasks like laundry and, and linens, napkins. Woman can also handle birthing your children even when she doesn't want to. Other woman functions include having miserable forced sex with you whenever you want, never having an orgasm and never complaining about it. I have a question. What if woman has tattoos? I don't like tattoos. Well, you have two options. If women have tattoos, you can pay for a tattoo removal, or you can simply select other women oh. while actually still keeping women with tattoo at home. I can do both because have money because man. Yes, yes, exactly. I should try woman today. 
Absolutely. Warning, side effects of women include children, joint bank accounts, watching movies that you don't really like, considering that non-male people are full humans deserving the right, loving someone romantically, being responsible for your own behavior towards non-males, and a 20% reduction in the french fries that you ordered. So, yeah, Paris, uh, it might seem like we're being absurdist about this, but I'm just going to read um, this passage in the book. Can you, are you going to read, are you going to read the fucking drawer part? Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to read, just so that our listeners have context, and I assure you, we're not exaggerating. All right, so Mike has walked in, pissed into their apartment, and Michelle is cleaning some stuff. Because woman. Empty that out. She pointed at the drawer. Then vacuum out the crud and wipe it out with a damp cloth. Then cut a piece of this. She grabbed a roll of shelf paper to fit the bottom of the drawer. She walked out of the kitchen, probably to resume the closet work. He bumbled around the drawer, fishing out the pieces of flatware, then realized he could just lift out the entire tray of utensils. It was women's work. Not that he minded helping his sister, but this task required small hands and a nimble touch. Not the stubby logs his fingers felt like. He tried lifting out the tray carefully from the drawer, but pulled out everything instead. The drawer dropped, the tray dropped too, and knives and forks scattered everywhere. The crash brought Michelle into the kitchen. What's wrong with you? Mike's nerves were shot. He wanted to be any place but in the same room with his sister. Doing tedious chores was making him crazy. Nothing, I'm a klutz, okay? A masculinity is so fragile, a fork disturbs it. All right, that's that's that scene there. So, yeah, I guess, all right, so, you know, we've had some laughs at all these things that just seem ridiculous and totally, you know, unlike how people actually act uh, or feel. If you're reading this in earnest and you don't see the comedy of it, there's there's actually a lot of really harmful ideas about like gender roles, economics, race, class, feminism, politics, you know, it's all there. Um I I mean, I don't I don't know that even I don't even know that like your garden variety Trump supporter is interested in this to be totally honest with you. Um but I yeah, you know, it does have a lot of harmful ideas in it. While it is hilarious, it's like fuck, people actually believe this shit, you know? Like, there's, um, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about the feminism and masculinity stuff, but uh, when they're on the train at the beginning, there's this idea that you can tell a man from a boy just by looking at them. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about, like, a child versus a grown adult. I'm talking about this whole very gendered concept of, like, a, a big, strong, independent man and, like, a stupid man you know soy boy cuck basically uh is kind of what it says without saying it and you know there's this guy who has like a patchy beard and he's kind of skinny and apparently he's always on the train when ricky is which is kind of weird yeah it's not like this is a regular she's not going to work she's going to like an unusual rally yeah and she's like oh he's always on the train like we have we're on the same schedule and i'm like yeah but like you just said, it's this like, is not a schedule. This isn't your schedule. So I think she's. I think she actually has two stalkers. Is the problem? Yes. Um, and she even disdainfully says, like, "Oh yeah, he tried to ask me out, and I shut that down immediately." You know, like I'm not interested in him or whatever. Um, but yeah, the whole idea is like you can just see that like guy has big muscles and tucks in his shirt and has steel-toed boots. Therefore, he's a man. 
And the guy with a patchy beard who's kind of skinny and wears, I don't know, jeans and a t-shirt is a is a shitty soy boy cuck, you know? <laughs> like, I don't really get what makes some... It just doesn't... It doesn't make sense to me. Like, your their ideas of what makes someone a real man are just really shallow and silly. Um, I, I just can't believe anyone really fucking thinks like that. Um, oh, man. There's an amazing line, Chris. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't read this part at the beginning. I know. So she, uh, she is, she rejects him on the train. Like, she doesn't want to sit down. Then, you know, he makes a big deal. He's like, ooh, give you your seat, whatever. And I don't know, like, the creepy train guy is named Harold. And um, he takes the seat. And then Ricky and Harold have a little fist bump. And she says, attaboy, Harold. And, you know, because she didn't want to sit down. And, and he took the seat so they would stop arguing about it. It was just stupid. But, like, the fucking Mike goes... You defiled a memory of my grandfather. <laughs> Says that out loud on a trade car. You see him like because... slowly unsheathing his katana as he says that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt like, again, the beginning of this book very much felt very much an anime. Um, from the boarding of the train to you defiled the memory of my grandfather. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Um, I just, I can't imagine an actual human being saying that because a woman didn't take a seat that they offered them it's just it's absolutely over the top i i just defile the memory of my grandfather uh ramps is up yeah, there looking then, down like, just disappointed like you should have you you really should have sat down there missy that's that's the only thing men can do for you ladies is let you have a seat on the train <laughs> now i'm crying in heaven would you know my tears if you don't sit down on a train in <laughs> heaven? Oh. Um, there's also, uh, you know, this whole idea, like I said, you know, that, like, any of her ideas are sort of a costume that can just be shed at will once she meets her conservative Prince Charming, uh, Mike basically Mike tells her parents on her, which is a strange. After she, thing. yeah, after she lets slip where he works and the sisterhood, like you know, it was like Antifa assemble or something, and like send it to his work site. Yeah. He doesn't call her or go to her place. He goes to her parents' place. Also, how did yeah. you know where they were? I guess maybe they drove by it earlier. So I, no, no, no. He dropped her off at her parents' house oh, that... after the ra- after they went to his house after the rally. So he knew where they lived. But, but, but like, why would um... you go there to, like, discuss with them what happened? And then she, like, she turns her whole identity around because she's like, oh, no, my parents are mad at me. Yeah. And I think I think the easiest explanation is I'm pretty sure that they were paying for some of her stuff because there's no mention of her having a job. Yeah, and that would kind of fit with the whole libs or just lazy moochers narrative. Yeah, I mean, she's in grad school. So, like, I think her parents were paying her way, which is probably why she felt a little more pressured to give in. But still, I I don't think it would be that easy to turn someone's entire worldview upside down. All And all of the events of the book happen in the course of, what, three days? Tops. Absolute maximum three days. Yeah. So to go from like, 
yeah, super, super liberal to, you know, now wanting to be like a trad wife in three days is, is pretty extreme. Um, I don't I know. Don't... Maybe, maybe you just haven't met someone with big enough muscles, Paris. <laughs> he wasn't construction worker enough. If you met the right big construction worker. Yeah. It's a bummer that this book really believes in the idea that like, oh, a guy that, you know, has enough money and muscles can just get whatever he wants and change a woman. And, um, yeah, because of course women always have this innate desire to be protected and provided for. And, and, you know, they're just helpless so and oh. female self. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, like I, I know you wrote some notes about this, but like, I think it is true that, you know, people sometimes change parts of themselves because sure. they're like, Oh, this really, this new exciting partner seems cool. And I want to impress them or something. But like, this is again, the, I wouldn't say you flip There's... everything on a dime like that. No. Yeah. And if you do, like, you probably had some issues before you met that person. If you're willing to just chameleon yeah, your entire life. And if anything, life. you're probably going to change the superficial stuff first before you change things that are like a core part of your philosophy. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, the the whole point of this book is, again, to show left and liberal ideas as totally um you know paper thin not worthy of believing in easily changed because they're wrong right and like naive um, so that, i think is like the the yes. the big thing often that a lot of conservative media often tries to portray leftist ideas as like oh if you just have the right information or you're just not accepting that humans in the world are shit and you have to take care of your own and only your own to survive because if you're, you know, if you think everything's going to be like liberal la la land where everyone gets together, you're stupid. And it just strikes me as unimaginative and unadaptable because, yeah. you know, okay, even if the world is shit, that doesn't mean it naturally must be that way forever and evermore <laughs> yeah, and we can yeah, never better it for that reason. Um, so, like, you know. Or even maybe the idea, I've talked about this before, where you're used to playing by the world's rules in a certain way, and if they change, that's bad or like unfair in some way. Because, oh, now change is a threat to me because I can't deal with shifting rule sets. And it just, it weirds me out that a lot of conservative media tends to play that part up of strike, like, we can't change things because it's unfeasible or it's too hard to do or you, you're just going against people's natural shitty nature. Yeah, I mean, all of this plays into, um, you know, the kind of twin twin ideas of American exceptionalism and this sort of individualist, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like... Uh, almost a fatalism, right? It's like... Mm -hmm there's only one way to succeed and that is to like crush everyone else around you to get ahead and if you just work hard enough the same opportunities are available to everyone um and you know america is the best the best country in the world ever in all of history and like all these really really like honestly bizarre ideas when you step back from them and actually examine them in the greater context of Oh, I don't know. The entire rest of the world and even the last few hundred years of world history. <laughs> like, it's not, 
I mean, that's what strikes me as naive is to assume like, yes, I was born into the greatest time yeah. ever and I we all have everything right and nothing should change. We had it. We got it right 100 years ago in the eight, in 1776. We don't have to change shit. Well, 1776 was more than 100 years ago. But yes, I understand. I yeah. generally agree with your sentiment. Um, yeah, I mean, and the lack of imagination does really kill me. Like there's always this immediate shutdown because the idea of treating people better is too expensive or not feasible when like even if you just turn your head slightly to the right you can look across the fucking ocean and see all the other countries (laughs) that are doing a lot of things better in terms of uh you know like quality of life i mean look at scandinavia of course is like a classic example um even i think portugal and france even hell even fucking cuba like, all of those places have a lot of um, government and societal programs or just attitudes that make their populace much happier and have easier lives because they, they care more about taking care of each other rather than, quote-unquote, succeeding on, like, the capitalist ladder. Um, and, you know, I, I mention a few of those countries and areas just because off the top of my head, that's what I could think of. I certainly don't want that to come off of, come off as though... I'm saying that any of those places are perfect and have no problems, you know, because I... Yeah. But in general, you know, I I just... It... Yeah. The lack of imagination kills me when it's, like, right there. If you just look at other places in the world... um, Even a little. Just a a little. Turn your head just slightly over there. And out of the corner of the eye, you will see that people have successfully done a little bit different than America, and they seem to be doing fine. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I mean, it's all caught up in this, like I said, in, like, American exceptionalism that, like, oh, America's the greatest thing to ever to ever have existed. And it's just so, like you said, it is a very narrow-minded idea um, to think that, yeah, you're just the best and your country is the best. Or or that we even have to have a... The best, the best. yes. Like, like, why does that have to be... <laughs> Like, well, because then you can uh, take over world hegemony and dominate everything around you. Because... And tell the other countries that, no, you're, com- you're coming to my sister's apartment with me. <laughs> oh, here's a comb and a package. Don't worry. I'll to- I totally won't colonize you and, and enslave your people. Um, Get that ugly hair dye and things that look different out of your hair. Oh, God. Oh, too real. Mm-hmm. Too real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just it's just a bummer, and and I think that's that's the worst part about this book, right? Is that it gives no ground. There is no research or thought given to any kind of nuance to other ideas, or you know, even just thinking like, well, even if I don't agree with this, maybe the way that this person came to these ideas could be understandable, like humanizing, you know, like. I can't imagine that I would that you know if I were writing a book I can't imagine I would just write you know oh the conservative character came out of the womb pure evil literally has literally flames shooting out of eyes <laughs> like you know eating puppies I mean it's just so disingenuous to to write things like that where it it's giving the other side of things absolutely no grace and not even giving them a chance or to, like not even trying to understand how they could possibly arrive at that mindset perfectly logically. 
Yeah, I mean, circumstance like people's individual circumstance plays a lot plays into this so much. And try, try to give someone on the other side the benefit benefit of the doubt until they really do prove to you that they are an absolute demon. Don't assume they are. I mean, and and it it sucks because um, it's you know it's pretty clear that a lot of right wing ideas have just gotten so wacky that I mean it's just like conspiracy territory, right? You know, you have people thinking that. Democrats actually like murder, sacrifice, and eat babies. Like that's a thing people earnestly believe now. So I mean, this book is kind of like that light. It's like <laughs> inviting you to believe like that you know liberals are stupid and weak, and their beliefs aren't worth shit. And there's no, yeah, there's no consideration that any of it could be valid or could have at least been arrived at in a reasonable way. I mean, yeah, it's too bad, but it's not like I would really expect much. There's also this idea that like in this book, there's this idea that um, uh, leftists are violent and that they are full of rage and violence and that left-wing rallies are full of, full of violence and always end in violence and I mean, the data just doesn't really prove that out. Um, y- you know, even in recent years, like it's statistically obvious that the actual, like most of the violence is coming from conservative right wing um, constituents. Of course, you know, there's always been there's always been some left wing violence. There always will be, um, and it was more pro- more predominant in like the '60s and '70s with like environmental violence animal rights violence stuff like that um but in more recent years like in the last few decades it's it's been pretty uh it's been skewing in the right direction and it's really weird to me that there's all this rhetoric about how violent the left is but then when you when you look at the data that's not the case you know like even this book is like oh the you know the Antifa stand-ins or whatever, the ones who, like, burn the rally grounds and are, like, beating people with bike locks. I don't know. This this book is obsessed with leftists beating people with bike locks. I don't know what that's about. Because I, I don't, lefties I don't, don't drive cars. They, they're on bikes. They don't want to drive cars, so they all have bike locks. Yeah, it's just a, it's just weird. Um, But, you know, like, I, but then again, it's like, I know, I know, I, you know, I'm not stupid enough to think like, oh, statistics, come on, conservatives. Like, I know they think all, everything is rigged and all the, all the statistics aren't real anyway. So I'm not saying this for their benefit. I'm just saying it for the benefit of, you know, reviewing this book. But in an 18 month study between 2020 and 2021, um, every town research and policy found that, um, the presence of armed groups and individuals at a demonstration strongly correlates with an increase in violence um, during public gatherings. Armed demonstrations are nearly six times as likely to turn violent, um, you know, compared to unarmed demonstrations. And the majority of armed demonstrations have been driven by far right mobilization and reactions to left wing activism. So a lot of the recent violence in this country at rallies and stuff has been predominantly right wing in reaction to um prote- you know ideas of racial justice or um fighting back against you know Donald Trump not being in the presidency anymore opposition to guns like 
the pandemic restrictions. Um, nearly 84% of armed demonstrations associated with the Black Lives Matter movement included armed groups or individuals opposing the pro-BLM demonstrators. So, I mean, there's like, again, like, even when you look at, um, like, larger statistics, so this was sort of a, a more, a shorter thing over an 18-month 18 18 month period in the U.S., but if you look at, um, like, FBI statistics, the global terrorism database, political violence overwhelmingly comes from the right, no matter where you look. So, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not telling, I'm not saying this to try to paint anyone with conservative views as violent. I'm just saying that, like, this idea that is parroted by the right that the left are the violent ones is wrong. It's not accurate. Um, and it drives me nuts because, like, it doesn't even make sense from, like, a, uh, like an idea, like an idea Yeah, just from the because- gut check because... Aren't the conservatives the ones that are like always saying, I got my guns and I'm ready to open carry and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And also like the tough guy machismo shit of like, you better listen to me or. or... Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, look, I know a lot of a lot of people who have left views also are like ardent gun owners. That's also something that like never seems to come up Um, who like have firearms for self-protection and like believe in you know, safe gun gun ownership and all that stuff. Um, so it's not like the left is devoid of guns. I think that's kind of a weird idea um, that people have. But furthermore, generally, despite, you know, some leftists having guns, like, generally, the left worldview is, is pretty, it's like striving for a more peaceful, inclusive world. So it, it, it kind of, this whole idea that, like, well, they're going to kill you and burn your shit down just goes against the like their actual beliefs. And leftists are so into like living into their ideas that it just doesn't check out. Of course, you know, people can always become, you know, corrupted or exasperated and turn to violence to get their way. I'm not I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's just really egregiously misconstrued in conservative media, including in this book. All right. Well, we've got. A little bit more here. <laughs> like, uh, one of my... The other thing that I just don't understand, an idea presented in this book, is when Ricky goes to the rally and she sees people of color there and she is astounded by this, like, this is the thing that, like, really shatters her worldview, is the fact that there's just non-white people present at the rally. She's like, I understand, I thought... I thought it was full of racism and everything. It's impossible to be racist if there's actually people of color included at these rallies. And, like, I don't think anyone was out here going, like, it's only white people for Donald Trump. Everybody knew that, of course, there was non-whites voting for Donald Trump as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I well, I I gotta say, I think this is almost, like, this is one of those facts where I'm, like, I think... I think both right-wing and left-wing people can totally get this fucked up sometimes. Where, yeah, it's like, oh, the party of white supremacy. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's all white people. No. And I know I know, some people are probably going to get mad, but um, guess what? Racism does not only take the form of overt racism, like saying directly racist slang, for example. Like, racism takes a lot of really 
sneaky forms. And the same goes for like misogyny, like a lot of almost really I think a lot ideas. of it is unconscious by the people. You, yes. you have to check yourself to make sure you're not doing something without even thinking about it. I don't think most of the racism that occurs in America is coming from a place of a person explicitly thinking to themselves, I think this race is worse than me and I'm going to act accordingly. Sure, there is plenty of that. But a lot of the stuff that builds up and keeps, you know, people of color oppressed is just subtle shit. Yeah, it's stuff that people don't conscious, may not consciously recognize because we're so steeped in the hegemonic system, which is one of patriarchal white supremacy. So, like, I, I think it, anyone can be co-opted by these ideas because they're so pervasive and deeply ingrained in everything we do. They're also incentivized. So that means that, like, I mean, internalized racism is a thing. Like, even folks who are black or Latinx or native or whatever, any kind of non-white, you know, person can have racist ideas inside them about themselves, about people they know. There is also racism between non-white groups. Like, I, this isn't, I mean, I just, I'm always surprised when, when people are surprised by this. Um, and same same goes for, like, misogynistic ideas. I mean, women have to deal with a lot of internalized misogyny because of the world that we're all raised in. Um, and unfortunately, all of that just perpetuates that cycle and that hegemonic system because it pits us against one another. This was literally written by a woman who wrote the line, helpless and female self. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. That is, an, that is a perfect example. Um, you know, and... and it's all intensified by capitalism because there's this urge to like earn and outpace at the sake of everyone and all else. And if you didn't and make so, it, that's your own fault. There's nothing yep, that could possibly have been standing in your way and not helping you. Yeah. it. It's too bad that, because I, I feel like people always want to see it as one or the other, right? It's always like you're racist or you're not racist. And it's like, no, Everyone everyone is a little racist because that's just the society that we live in. It is unavoidable. And all you can do is try every day to be a little less racist, a little less misogynist, a little less, like, anti-trans. You know, yeah. all, all these it's things. A, I also think it's a little bit shitty ideas. like your brain wants to pigeonhole things in people and categorize them. Well, yeah, because that's how your brain, exactly. how human brain works. So you have to work <laughs> against it. To give each individual their credit instead of throwing them into this group, into this hole where you don't have to put the mental energy into figuring out this individual as a human being and as a person. Well, yeah, and, and also not dealing, not even considering that you may be incorrect mm -hmm. about the way you think about some people. Um, it, yeah. Uh, so, sorry, this is like a lot of really heavy ideas that we're, we're really just brushing the surface of. So apologies if this isn't like particularly eloquent or thorough. Um, but there was a lot of, there were a lot of brain worms in here and we only had time to exterminate a few, you know. Um, <laughs> so I, it's just, it's just a bummer, honestly. Like, I just feel sad for this woman. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, and she doesn't care you know she has her her husband and her little house you know on the outskirts of a major city and she has a collection of maga hats she really does i saw pictures of them <laughs> i'm serious I'm and like not but joking. like you know um, if you want to be trad wife great awesome 
but don't insist that then everyone else must as well. Yeah, or that that's like the pinnacle of being in a female American patriot. Like it, it's just <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, for all the laughs we got out of this book, it's ultimately a real bummer. Before we totally close out, do we want to maybe just read some read some passages yeah let's, fun. let's just kind of okay. i'm gonna just find random highlighted bits <gasps> here. oh my god we forgot chris what? chris chris what chris we gotta we gotta read we gotta read the sisterhood scene oh yes i think you should read that one this is probably the being most... a rad femme yourself yeah oh yeah no don't call me a rad <laughs> femme. those are like those are like trans exclusion. No, I know what I'm saying is because you're a leftist woman at all, then you would be categorized oh, by this person yes. as rad feb. Correct. Yes. Anyway, um, let me find this passage because it's just in fucking incredible. It's like it's the scene that actually made me like belly laugh out loud. Um, oh, we forgot to say that uh, Ricky has a blog. Her blog is called Petra's. Lance. Mm-hmm. So her like online handle is Petra. So if you hear Petra, it's just Ricky. Um. Okay. All right. Get comfy. As if that weren't enough, the white guy with the red neck thought it would be cute to shove me into a group of these white supremacists. Ricky looked up from reading aloud her rally blog post and surveyed the large, formal living room of the sisterhood president, Amber Maroney. The induction ceremony had come and gone. She was a full member. Here she was, drinking wine spritzers on a Friday at barely one o'clock in the afternoon. Petra's parlance had received 12,000 hits in just two days. But she wasn't sure what bothered her more sipping wine amidst the formal trappings of a university country club mansion overlooking the seventh fairway that was owned by the president of the university's most radical feminist group, or her anxiety at having publicly told such a big fat lie. If she were being honest, Ricky would be outraged. Isn't this what the organization constantly railed against? After all, she'd committed to a life that ran according to the trolley schedule and all its collective merits. She, brought, she bought her clothes at the Goodwill because of her budget and because it was wrong to live any better than the least of society. She rejected luxury in favor of a simple and austere way of life, frugal and plain. <laughs> right now, she felt like a sad dupe, but nobody else in the room seemed to notice the hypocrisy. The only thing that saved her conscience at the moment was the fact her story was vague enough that no person or event could be positively identified. She threw thoughtless aspersions on the crowd in general, along with some murmurings of a few invented individuals that could amount to racist insults. She included an embellished encounter with the gun club rep, and even mentioned, in disparaging tones, the guy wearing the Democrat for Trump t-shirt. If her lies were discovered, her sisters would support her. Only the end, social justice, mattered. The means were subject to interpretation. The white guy with the red neck drove me physically into the midst of the melee. Ricky paused before resuming her recitation of her Petrus Parlance blog post. He was a man you see everywhere. Beer gut, work pants, and steel-toed work boots. And he used those steel toes against the innocent protesters to great effect. Kicking, pushing, shoving. He went crazy in the midst of the action. I happened to be standing right next to him the moment he exploded. He didn't even see me. If the anti-fascists had not pulled me to safety, the redneck would simply have mowed me down. I could have been hurt. 
Ricky looked around at the women, now her lifetime blood sisters, all leaning toward her in silence, all eyes on her face. Maybe killed. A silent but collective intake made the room go still. And then, a unanimous burst of applause broke out. She sat back, pleased with the reception, but she could not bask comfortably in the glory of her fellow feminists. What Ricky was really contemplating was the kiss she had given Mike. It was an impulsive act, a Judas Iscariot kiss, meant as a sign that she would soon betray his kindness in the blog post she was about to write. It worked, too. The kiss's inspiration allowed her to write the post very quickly, but her lips had not recovered. Even after three days, they felt uncomfortably warm. I want to get that check. <laughs> How did you know who this guy was? The redneck? She'd been trying not to think about him all morning. Actually, for the past three days, she thought about little else except the feel of his mouth against hers. Its softness surprised her, yielding and eager. His desire came forth in that very instant. She held the kiss until he broke away. If he hadn't stopped when he did, she would have surrendered completely to him. I met him at the rally, she managed to say. He wasn't too bright. I convinced him I was on his side, so he felt free to express himself. What does he do? He's in construction, runs a construction management firm, commercial. Right now, he's at the Place 4 project downtown. You should have asked him for a date, came the wisecrack a few seats down. Everybody laughed. So did Ricky. Across from her, perched on a richly carved mahogany chair with needlepoint upholstery, Maya Kimball said, Great post, Petra. The women looked at her knowingly. And I love the lav. Ricky smiled. She ran her fingers through her hair, tinted lavender for the occasion. Thank you, Maya. Today's meeting had the feeling of an elaborate banquet, an overload of emotions and images with too much falsehood and very little truth. Conflict and guilt tore through her from the reading aloud of her blog and the lies contained in it. Writing and posting in solitude was cleaner, easier. The cult-like reactions from her readers, from the women in the room, only brought more inner conflict and guilt. She suddenly was anxious to leave, but it wasn't over yet. Melissa Harding? Amber Maroney spoke again. This time her tone was sharp. The group shifted in their chairs as Melissa stood and walked to the front of the group, an expression of slight puzzlement on her face. What's going on? Ricky whispered to her roommate, Karen. Karen had been a member for over six months. Ricky hoped she'd fill her in. She did not like the tone of this upcoming event. The best part was all Karen would say. Her hand was held out to shush Ricky's questions. Karen's face had a grin Ricky had never before seen on her roommate. The rest of the group looked slightly crazed, furrowed brows and wide open eyes, and their postures tilted at the subject. Melissa just looked scared. Amber rose from her plush, velveteen, navy blue armchair and stood next to Melissa, then pushed firmly down on the girl's shoulder, pushing her to her knees. She unrolled a piece of parchment and read from it. So this was the best part? Ricky thought that her induction was to be the meeting's highlight, but it was only the warm-up for what was to come. For the egregious offense of having a father who was an officer of the Miami-Dade police force, an occupation marked by racial injustice toward marginalized communities, led by this illegitimate government, Melissa Harding is hereby censured and shunned for a period not to exceed <laughs> 90 days to commence immediately. <laughs> Melissa covered her face with both hands and pitched herself face first onto the floor. Ricky watched, horrified by what was happening. When the women stood in unison and turned their backs on Melissa, she did the same. The next few minutes were excruciating. All Ricky could think of was her own father. Not a police officer, but an avid outdoorsman and hunter. Karen was the only one in the sisterhood who knew of it. Would hunting and her family be grounds for shunning? 
She hoped she could trust Karen not to tell. <laughs> all the women turned around. <laughs> Melissa was gone. Somehow whisked out of their all sights. All right, all right. Amber I, acted. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just, this I is love... No, how do oh, you think this it. is a real thing that happens? Yeah, this person legitimately thinks this happens. Um, you're yeah, out of the it, feminist it's... club because your dad's a cop. Like I don't like. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. I mean, this is just like the whole sisterhood thing is just absurd. Like, I mean, what is the purpose of this club? <sighs> Do they just get together and like write blogs? Uh, unclear. They get together to jerk each other off that they're all the most liberal, and then when one of them slips up by daring to have a parent with an occupation that they can't control, they are shunned. Um, what benefit yeah, do you get she, from being in this group? Uh, well, you see, the liberal Illuminati allow you to post your blog and be on Twitter or something. Oh, I mean, oh, it seems like it's sure. sort of that like, loose, like... You know, if you're in the club, you're literally in the club. Like there's a there's like a cabal of leftists controlling things, and if you're in the club, you're kind of like in on it or part of it or something. I mean, this is another just like absurd, hilarious, but deeply sad <laughs> thing that this author thinks is real. Um, yeah, I I I just. I don't know how you could write that and be like, yeah, this is this. I'm really owning <laughs> the libs. This like, completely sane what? scene. Uh, yeah. You're really owning the libs by like making up this dumb bullshit that no one would believe. Like, I, I all just, right. Paris, uh, I think we've come to the end of, of all this. Yeah. Pretty exhausting. Um, so, so Chris, can we, uh, can we fix this? Uh, uh yeah, no. Uh, I think you gotta throw this whole <laughs> thing in the trash, man. This is more of a fantasy than the fucking brothel world hentai that we just read. <laughs> you have to start completely from scratch and pour so much more nuance into things. And I'm not saying there can't be leftist and conservative romance out there who doesn't like a star-crossed lovers thing, but you have to have some depth or nuance of character there where you're at least trying to understand both sides and show how they can come together. This is slapping straw men together and weakly jerking off to it. <laughs> this is this is the the sex shop in the last book that no one ever went to. It's like failing. <laughs> oh, you have got star-crossed straw lovers golems. here? Yeah, all we, oh, I'm sorry. All we have are, uh, it looks like, 21st century American politics, uh, left wing and right wing, and everyone's like, "Oh no, I'm not. No, no I can't. No, I can't get it up for that. No way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go fuck a basilisk that might actually kill me. That's better. See you later." Uh, it's like, so <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, I, you know, it's not like I have any any illusions about like the fact that people sometimes fall in love from very different worldviews and like. There are a lot of books about that. It's very common. Uh, but, yeah, this book needs a lot of self-awareness that the author doesn't have. It needs a lot more nuance. It needs research. I mean, for the love of fuck, lady, you got to at least, like, read some Reddit posts or something. Like, you got you to gotta get out there. You got to do something. This is, this is just absurd. Um, again, I already said this earlier. It's just disingenuous to cast... 
either side's views as like totally childish or invalid without at least considering how people come to them. There are scenes in here that like are just pure fearmonger right wing fantasy, like the one we read about the t- stupid like rad femme club at the college, you know. And yeah, you gotta you gotta really understand that like people who oppose your views are not inherently evil, stupid, or weak. They come to their ideas for a lot of varied, intersecting reasons, um, you know. And this is. This is by no means me saying all sides are valid. Like, I am not saying that. I am saying that in order to understand other people and have a more fucking grounded, sane view of the world. Or even to (laughs) honestly strategize against them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's kind of my major point is like, how are you supposed to come to any sort of understanding or push back against things? you think are harmful if you don't understand how people get there. Um, And yeah, it's just an, it's unfortunate that this entire book is like the straw man fallacy given flesh and serves only to attempt to like, I don't know, quote unquote, own the libs or something. My biggest takeaway here is Albert Einstein didn't show up and clap at the end of the book. (laughs) No, it would be like, Donald Rumsfeld or something like rises from the grave and and claps his cheeks. Oh no, he claps his cheeks. That's what Donald Rumsfeld so. was known for: is clapping his cheeks. Yeah, you know why not? I mean, we're already in this bizarre fantasy world. Why isn't Donald Rumsfeld a, a necromantic, um, you know, stripper um, with a big ass? I don't know. That's, that's where that's where we are right now. Um, like. Yeah, my my biggest takeaway here is that, like, you got to understand, like, people who are leftists, uh, you know, and who have liberal left views like we do, you got to understand that people like this author and and people like them exist and do ardently believe these things. And you can't dismiss conservatives or alt-right people as simply stupid or evil. We totally lose sight of our own humanity and theirs when we do that, and we end up further from the world that many of us dream of when we get sucked into this, you know, this very delicious, tempting, de- tempting idea that like, oh, they're all they're all just evil racists, and it's like, yeah, they are racists who have evil ideas, but like, they don't. Many of them don't recognize that. Also, I'm just going to come back around to the point, like, if you want to strategize against them and kind of pull on their strings to make them vote in a way you want, you're going to have to understand how they think. If you really actually want to be, if you really want to be what the Rad Femme Club in this book is and try to, like, manipulate things like that, you're going to have to understand where things are those people are coming from in order to push those buttons effectively. So even if you do want to be a manipulative asshole where the ends justify the means. You got to think with more nuance than this. Yeah. Oh, we kind of forgot to touch upon like how bad of an investigative reporter uh Ricky is, but whatever, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's obviously stupid. <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't know. I I just think that um a lot of people on the left get lulled into this idea that like, oh, those alt-right people there, there, you know, there aren't that many of them or like maybe they only voted for Trump for economic reasons. It's like there are a lot like it is still like it is still they, these ideas are still 
or rather the foundation of these ideas are still the dominant system in this part of the world. Some might say the whole world. To live in some fairyland where like, oh, those people are, we don't have to worry about them. Like they're whatever, the evil, stupid people, they're just going to go away. Like we can't, you cannot think that way. It is just, it is just naive to do so. Um, Anyway, I would never recommend this book unless someone really wanted to like laugh particularly at an extreme alt-right book, I might say, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's also deeply sad for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't read this. Uh, it's not worth your time. I Part of me kind of even hates that we're doing an episode on it because I don't love the idea of giving this more attention, uh, but I... Massive requests. Yes, you know. The public demands. The public demands. Um, Speaking anyway, of the public that demands from us, time to thank the patrons. It is time. Thank you, Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senior, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Beast with the Least, Scott H, Robin, Laxstodes of the Void, the Taco Eating Unicorn, Kiwi Thing, and our newest patron, Last Man on Earth 01. Hopefully you can hold it down from all those feminists out there out for your blood. Uh, all right. Well, I guess, I guess, Chris, I'm going to go and, um, well, you know, I don't have any tattoos, so I, I can just become a trad wife tomorrow. I just got to wash true. my face. My hair isn't dyed. You know, I'm, I'm almost there. Make sure so you get I kicked guess... out of the, the rad femme club first though, because they're not going to like it when they find out that you don't have a tattoo. That's true. I'm also going to lie about everything to justify my worldviews and then also Pokemon myself onto the next train. <laughs> no, that's what I'm going to do um, for sure. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going sta- uh, to stand and block a crowd. And then when the woman doesn't take the seat, I'll draw my katana and say, you shamed my grandfather. And then take out the nearest soy boy cuck that took the seat after all. Yeah. Don't forget to also tip your fedora. Um, okay. But uh, we'll do. We'll, uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for getting through this fucking excruciating review we will uh we'll see you in two weeks folks bye-bye farewell thank you for listening to another episode of terrible book club terrible book club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts paris and chris sound design and audio editing by chris with sound effects and music by epidemic sound and sometimes also chris our theme song is kiss by yearn which is you guessed it actually also chris you can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.